Hiya folks, you're very welcome and thank you for joining the Jason Joyce Health Podcast. Do you feel like you're running through life constantly switched on and trying your best to be that bit healthier, that bit happier? You may just feel lost or disconnected. My aim is to help you slow down and take stock of what is truly important to you in your life. What nurtures your soul? Through stories and honest conversations with people from different walks of life. My hope is that this podcast will help educate, entertain, challenge and inspire you in all areas of health and happiness. I'm Jason Joyce. It's time to stop running and start living. I hope this podcast finds you in good form. I really value all the support and appreciate the encouragement and people sharing it, liking it, sending me lovely messages from people overcoming cancer treatment, sending me big encouraging messages how it's helped them and other people how it's helped their mental or physical health or just give them tips to live a happier and healthier life that's why I'm doing this podcast and it really gives me that fire to keep on going it's the end of 2020 I received over 11,000 downloads which I'm very very grateful for and 32 episodes later this is the last episode of season 2 which is just unbelievable I'm just very honoured and very proud so I can't thank people enough thank you so this is the last episode of season 2 I'm going to take a break for a few weeks enjoy the Christmas period and also I'm going to be a daddy in 5 weeks so I'm looking forward to my next step my next chapter of my life I just want to enjoy the podcast not put too much pressure so season 3 will be starting hopefully don't know in a month or 2 and I hope everyone has a great great Christmas Today's guest is an amazing human being. She's a qualified pharmacist with over 10 years experience and she completely flipped her career to focus on lifestyle medicine. Instead of treating the symptoms with medication, she would rather work on preventing the symptoms in the first place. She helps people transform their life through an integrative mind, body and soul approach. I couldn't think of a better way to conclude season two and I am in complete agreement with Miriam's holistic approach to health. This is an epic episode with so much value. It's nearly like a one-to-one coaching session. I am very honoured to introduce co-founder of Soul Space, Miriam Hussey. Enjoy this epic episode. Hiya, Miriam. You are very welcome to the podcast. I'm delighted to have you on. Jason, I am absolutely thrilled and delighted to be here and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Excellent. One of the main reasons I got you on is we're both healthcare professionals and we've taken a massive flip in our career going from kind of symptom or disease management to try and learn lifestyle medicine, preventing them symptoms in the first place. So I can't wait to get involved and have a chat about all things health and actually looking at lifestyle medicine in whole. Yeah. And I think it's wonderful to see more people like yourself and myself transitioning into the field. And I think it's a very needed field actually now more than ever. But my own story, I suppose, stems back to I trained as a pharmacist in RCSI and I practiced then as a community-based pharmacist for over 10 years. And I think in that decade and also prior to that in my study, I suppose I learned so much about our health our well-being and I suppose more importantly what happens if our health is taken away and I was struck by I suppose the western model of medicine while it is amazing and it has many benefits I was also struck by its limitation 
and it's very narrow focused approach to healing whereby we tend to treat the symptom we treat the symptom with the pill or you know some sort of a cure but without actually looking at well what might be the root cause in the first place so why am i presenting with these symptoms why have i a disease and we know when we look at the word disease and break that down it means a lack of ease so why is my body presenting lack of ease and that is a question we're not really thought about in the Western world because we focus primarily on the physical body and we look to the physical structure and it's almost like we see it as robotic or mechanical. And if it breaks down, we try and fix it with the mechanical you know, cure without actually sometimes looking at the bigger picture. So what's going on in that person's life? You know, what are the emotions that this person is feeling? What are their thoughts like? Um, what is their diet like? Are they exercising? Are they getting fresh air? Are they sleeping? What are their stress levels like? Are they drinking water? Are they breathing properly? You know, so these are all really important questions that we really should be asking and addressing when we're looking at the person. And I suppose in my journey and in my career, I had to do my own inward excavation and deep diving and look through my own emotions and how that was manifesting in my life. And that taught me a lot. And I suppose in my experience working as a pharmacist in that kind of frontline position where you're meeting people every single day and you're, you know, you're handing them out their tablets and their medication. And I remember just saying, you know, is there anything changing in that person's life from month to month? So I fill out their prescription and they come back to me a month later. But in that month, did anything change? Or was this person solely reliant on the pill to try and heal and fix everything? And it became apparent to me that a lot of people weren't, or maybe they just weren't aware. And I started to look and join the dots. You know, I'd see people coming in with a prescription or over the counter buying something for their tummy, like a tummy tablet for acid or indigestion, or, and then they'd be carrying a big bottle of Coke and maybe supermarket chips. And you'd be kind of going, hmm, you know, what's the correlation there, you know? And that just kept happening with many different things. And from that, I started to look and expand my own lessons, my own learning career studying and I started to look at integrative nutrition. I started to train in yoga and meditation and mindfulness and the psychology around that. And what I focus now primarily on is looking at the whole person, looking at the big picture approach, not just trying to treat the symptom, but what's going on in the world, in their mind, in their body, in their soul, and what is potentially contributing to the lack of ease or the manifestation of disease in that person's body. And I've kind of coined that integrative wellness or lifestyle as medicine is what primarily it's do, I'm doing now. That's excellent. So you've completely flipped. I don't like treating the symptoms, giving that tablet, because it's just literally a mask, isn't it? And you went to just address the problem at its cause, pull out the weed by its root. Absolutely, Jason. And it's not to you know negate the medicine or the pill either. There's a time and a place for Western medicine. And I think it does save lives and it has saved lives, particularly in acute situations. But what I was really noticing, it's more in the chronic illnesses, things like diabetes and obesity and heart disease and autoimmune disease, anxiety, depression, all of these, which were really on the rise. That alarmed me. Um, nearly every second prescription where I was working was an antidepressant, which, you know, or something for sleep which really was quite stark, you know, and that was the reality of it. 
And I started to ask myself in a lot of these chronic related illnesses, when you look at them and look deeply into them, a lot of them are are lifestyle related and they can be managed very well with pivoting, changing and adjusting the person's lifestyle. And even that word lifestyle means the style you're living your life in. And is the style you're living your life in every single day, what you're doing every day right now, is that going to manifest a future of health and happiness and more ease for you? Or if you were to do nothing right now, change nothing, keep living the way you're living, keep eating the way you're eating, drinking the way you're drinking, working the way you're working, sleeping the way you're sleeping. And if you change nothing, what does that look like for your health in 10 or 15 years time? And a lot of people, wow, when they get asked that question, it can be a light bulb moment. It can be like, wow, because a lot of people are too busy running and racing and working that they're not actually pausing to ask these questions and reflect and say, well, what am I doing? How is my lifestyle? And is the style I'm living my life in right now, is that truly nourishing me? Is it bringing me alive? Or is it actually causing destruction and causing pain? whether that be mentally or physically or emotionally, and is it serving me or is it not? I think if we were to ask ourselves those questions, we would get a lot of awakenings and insights into what potentially we need to look at our change. And that sounds similar to what changed your career. You started to ask them questions about what's really going on in their life. And then when we ask ourselves those questions, we become aware. And I suppose... I always say the first step to change is awareness because you don't know what you don't know. So would that be your first step? Ask yourself that question. Is what I'm doing today going to give me a fulfilling life in the future and today? Or is it going to be self-destructive? Is that where you'd start with someone if they came to you? That's a, a really, really good question. And it's a great way of framing it. And it is a great starting point. I think we need to ask ourselves at the beginning of any journey, as you said, awareness is the first step. You know, nothing changes, nothing will ever change without that awareness part. So once you have the awareness, you know, it's asking yourself, why? Why would I do this? Why would I even want to bother changing? My husband talks about this a lot from Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. He who has a why will find the how. So it's like, sometimes we, we might know what to do, For example, if someone wants to lose weight, they might know they need to work out or cut back on the sweets and we might know the action, but do we really have the motivation to do it? And that is asking yourself, what is my why? So why is my desire to change important? Another story my husband always says is he asks them, you know, do you want to be at your daughter's wedding? They have young kids and they would say, yes, of course. And then the next question is, well, if you change, If you don't change anything, the likelihood is you won't be there because the style that you're living your life in will likelihood cause a disease or, you know, manifest something that will counteract that. And these questions, although can seem a little bit stark, that is the reality. And I think sometimes what I see anyway, very often with people that I work with is that we're living this, obviously things have changed a bit this year with covid And a lot of it, there has been benefits from it because people aren't on the go as much. They're more at home. But what I have really witnessed is that people have been living this fast-paced, go-go, busy life, trying to be all things to all people, trying to keep up with the Joneses and live a perfect Instagram life. 
while also trying to maybe work and be a parent or whatever. And they're just juggling all of these roles. And what's happening is that person is getting locked into fight or flight, the sympathetic part of the nervous system, which is our fight or flight or freeze. And they're staying there and they're living there long term. So we call it sympathetic state dominant. We are not meant to live in the sympathetic state, which is fight or flight long term. This is always has been designed from our makeup to be almost like a light switch. It turns on and turns off. This fight or flight part of the nervous system is essential because it keeps us safe, it protects us. So if there was a bear running at you, your adrenal glands will secrete adrenaline. It will put you on high alert. Your tenant go up to, to keep you safe from danger and threat. And you get this rush of your stress hormones, adrenaline, cortisol, so you can run away from the bear or fight the bear. But when the bear leaves or when you run away or you fight the bear, you're meant to stop, you're meant to pause, you're meant to rest and repair, which is going into the other side of the nervous system, the parasympathetic. But what's happening in today's world is we're not dropping into the rest and the repair side or we're not doing it enough. And we're staying living in this fight or flight. And what's causing then is we're getting this rush of stress hormones through our blood and coursing through our bloodstream. And that's happening all of the time and we're getting increased levels of stress hormones. And when that happens, that's where potentially the breakdown and the destruction can manifest because when you're living in that stress state, the body's main functions start to be pushed back on the main burner. So your di- things like digestion, your immune system, reproductive system, they're all kind of put on to you know, plan B or not prioritized as essential because in that moment, if you're running away from a bear, it's not important that you digest your dinner or you bring a baby into this world because the body thinks it's not a safe place to do so because you're living in a heightened state of stress. So what I see a lot is that happening people and they're locked into that and then they're fueling that by drinking a lot of caffeine and alcohols and sugars, which are also revving up the nervous system and kind of adding fuel to the fire. So what I would say is, you know, to strip it back and, you know, as you said, what is the starting question? I would say, well, what is it that you would like to have more of in your life and not in the sense of taking on more. That might be, I would like more peace. I would like more rest. I would like less stress. I would like more joy or more laughter. And then say, well, what am I doing right now in my life to make that happen? And you're going to hold on to those things and prioritize them more and make a commitment to honoring them. And then if you're not doing anything to bring that into your life, but what can you start doing? what is one small thing you can do to bring more fun into your life? One small thing you can do to bring more ease or peace into your life. One small thing you can do to just nourish yourself. And I think if we start there and ask ourselves those questions, that will really shine a light on, I suppose, what's going on in our world right now. Excellent. It sounds like a session with one of my clients talking about the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system and how Obviously, if you're living in that sympathetic state, as you explained, you're going to have pain at some stage. And for me, explaining that to some clients with a physical ailment can be challenging. We're like, this is a physical problem. Fix it physically. How do you go about that explaining like, actually, you're, this is a physical manifestation of other things like stress or emotional overwhelm or maybe a poor inner dialogue or poor belief system. Where do you start there as a therapist, really? 
Yeah, that is um, one of the most powerful questions that you can ask because it is the one that is potentially hardest to get across sometimes to people because we're not taught it. You know, we're not taught it in school. We're not taught about the power of our thoughts to affect our physiology. And we're not told about the power of your emotions to actually cause disease. And I have done, I suppose, a lot on the mind-body connection and how whatever goes on in the mind or whatever goes on up here between the two ears in, in our brain, in the story by way of communication and self-talk patterns and belief systems that we hold about ourselves, they can truly impact and turn on and turn off certain genes within the body. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard about epigenetics, which is, it's not new, but it's, I suppose it's new to most people that your genes are not your destiny. Years ago, we were always told, oh, that's just me. That's just in my genes. That's your makeup. Well, now what we know is it's like if I handed you a loaded gun, Jason, and I said, this is your genes. These are your genes. But what pulls the trigger is your lifestyle. So yes, you have been handed these genes, but it does not mean that you are going to get, are you going to manifest that disease or that symptom. But if you do something in your lifestyle that will turn on that gene, well, then you're more likely to get it. So the environment within which you live your life and the environment within your body is living in every single day is key to whether those genes get turned on or turned off. So whether that trigger gets pulled or not. And I think a very simple example, and I often refer to Bruce Lipton and his book, The Biology of Belief. And he says that our thoughts become our internal chemistry. And really what he's saying here is the thoughts that you think carry a charge, they carry an energy, they carry a vibrational frequency, as does everything in this world, because everything is energy. And those thoughts will affect the energy within the cells of the body. So for example, if I was to talk very negatively to myself, about myself every single day. So, you know, you wake up in the morning and and you're giving out about the, the alarm, the traffic, or you do something wrong and you say, oh, it's stupid Egypt, or you look in the mirror and say, oh, look, it's state of me. Or if you're, you know, using these negative or self-destructive thought patterns and you're talking to yourself in a very critical, not loving way, your cells in your body will pick up on this lower vibrational frequency of these negative or toxic thoughts. And your cells actually can become more toxic. And people might think, oh my God, that's bananas. Like, how does that happen? And I think a very simple example of this is, or how your thoughts can affect your body or how your thoughts can actually manifest stuff physically in your body is, say, for example, I got really upset or something happened to me and I was very, very sad. So I have an emotion. I'm sad. I feel upset. As a result of this feeling or this emotion, I can start to produce tears and I can cry. So as a result of an emotion or a feeling, my body has actually produced water. So what's going on in my emotional body and my thoughts actually now has changed my physical body and it has produced tears. On the flip side of that, the most empowering thing that we can take away from this is if we start to change our thoughts and if we start to communicate better to ourselves and be kinder to ourselves and be more compassionate and understanding and forgiving, well, then our cells and our body will pick up on that energy. And instead of creating internal disease, that lack of ease, we now produce more inner ease and less disease. So our thoughts become our internal chemistry. 
And I think if you start your day, if you wake up in the morning, and even before you get out of bed, you know, even say a prayer or say one or two things that you're grateful for, or put your hands on your heart and just say thank you for something small. Thank you for my bed. Thank you for the heat. Thank you for my pajamas. Thank you for my room, the roof over my head. Bring it back to, you know, simplicity. Many of us are living in a world where we're truly blessed and privileged and we don't even realize that we're taking these things for granted. If we can start to incorporate gratitude into our life, and do it first thing in the morning. It's amazing how that can shift your thought pattern and send a loving signal to the body and to the cells as opposed to a negative one, which can automatically send us into fight or flight and stress. And then we're living off that. It's like the wild horse has been let go from the stables and you're trying to catch it all day. So starting your day with deep breathing, little meditation, some gratitude. These are small and simple things, but when done regularly can have a huge impact. Excellent. So your thoughts lead to your feelings, feelings lead to actions, actions equal results really. But we get so focused on those results where instead of let's go to the root of everything, again, it seems to be always let's get to the root cause here. I want to just go back on the why. Yeah, I totally. I love Victor Frankl's book, When You Start With Why, The How Is Easy. And that's actually one of the reasons you're on this podcast, because I shared with you my why. And I normally would get a client to write down what their ultimate health looks like. And normally they write down a few things and I'm like, does that inspire you or get your blood pumping to do that? And normally they're nearly afraid to, you know, inspire themselves because they don't believe it can be true for them. Where do you start with that? Yeah, it does. I think a lot of things, most things actually in your life, and you said it beautifully there, thoughts leading to the feeling, leading to the action. And I think it goes a step even further than that and it's your beliefs so your beliefs will then lead to your thoughts leading to your feelings leading to your actions leading to your behavior leading to your lifestyle and I think the beliefs that we hold about ourselves and the beliefs that we hold about the universe can either keep us locked in a life that's not serving us and we're playing small because we don't believe we're deserving or we don't believe we're capable or your beliefs can absolutely liberate you and set you free And I think once we recognize what our belief patterns are, then we have a choice. And then we can begin to change those beliefs to something that is in alignment with our desires and our goals. So for many people, they will have a dream or a desire, but it doesn't match up to the belief. So therefore, they think it's impossible or sure that'll never work out. Um, So what we want to do is we want to make the belief match up to the dreams. And we have to, I suppose, excavate a little bit and go a bit deeper. And a lot of the time it means going back to our childhood to between the ages of zero and eight, where we lock everything in. We're in from the age of zero to eight, we're in theta brainwaves, which means we're in download. So that's why when you see kids, they're like sponges. They pick everything up between the ages of zero and eight. They're downloading everything. They're learning how to speak new languages. They're learning how to walk. They're learning everything. And they do it so quickly because they're in what they call theta brainwave state, which is really your just downloading. As we get older, then we move into beta stages and different brainwaves. So when we're in zero to eight, this is when we lock in, believe it or not, all of our belief systems. So you might have potentially had a teacher or a parent or somebody say something to you that you locked in and you, you locked that in to be true. When the truth of it is, it might not be true at all. So it might be, you know, you are bad at this. They might not have even said it, but you perceived it in a way. 
we're living our life actually out of those belief systems that we manifested or locked in before the age of eight. And as adults, then we're trying to outrun them or we get you know, locked into them. So what we want to do is go back and look at those beliefs and then try and obviously hold on to the belief systems that are really serving us, but then deconstruct the ones that are potentially diminishing or not allowing us to flourish. So we want to look at those and say, well, what can I do to try and shift and change that so that I can now begin to believe in myself again or know that I am worthy? And I think the biggest ones that I see time and time again, especially with women, is they just don't believe they're deserved or they believe they're not worthy or they believe, because as you know, especially in Ireland, we kind of grow up with the mentality, don't put your head up, you know, you'll be too big for your shoes and who do you think you are and how dare you do that and you'd be big headed or, you know, we've kind of grown up with that, put your head under the carpet now and keep going. And and so it's trying to shift that and it's trying to know when I actually am deserving, I am a divine spark of light. I am a unique talent and gift and I have been placed here on this planet for a reason. And my uniqueness is my, my talent, it's my gift. And am I shining that? Am I allowing myself to use my gifts and talents? And can I be of service showing the world and using these gifts and talents? Because if I do, well, then I'm actually contributing to the world. And it's actually a sin if I don't, because I may actually be able to help and serve someone by using my gifts and my talents. And I think that's a nice way of reframing it for people so that they, instead of, saying, oh God, I couldn't do that. Or people might be judging me or asking questions or saying certain stuff. You just say, actually, no, what I'm going to do is going to help somebody. So it would actually be shame for me not to follow through on this passion or this desire or this dream. I hope that makes sense. A hundred percent makes sense. I explained to clients about Santa Claus, uh, hopefully no kids under seven may be listening. And I say, at one stage in your life, you believed in Santa Claus. But then you checked in on that belief and you learned new information and your perception changed, your belief changed. But there's a lot of beliefs at that age when you believed in Santa Claus that we don't check in on, we don't question. And they go unheard of and they do dictate a lot of our behavior. So that's how I'd explain it. Because at that age, we don't understand the full story, we may have perceived things wrong. And we do shape our current life based on our past beliefs. So I think you nailed it. I think you said it so beautifully there that we don't understand it at that age. So we can misinterpret a lot of what's going on and we can lock beliefs in that really aren't true, but we hold them dear for life thinking they are and they can you know, really hold us back. I love that analogy of the Santa and looking back and we can. And I think to let people know as well through neuroplasticity, which is you can rewire your brain so you can absolutely change. You know, people think, oh, I, that's just the way I am. And sure, look, I've been like that for 50 years and I, I won't change now. You absolutely can change. You can change your thoughts. You can rewire your brain. You can start afresh at any age and any time. And I hope that will give people hope that change can happen for you if you really, really want it. Exactly. I always had a limiting belief, which is probably one of the most common beliefs that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't smart enough. I had to work harder than most people to get where they were. And as a result, that produced this perfectionist syndrome nearly. I need to try harder. And then if it wasn't perfect, it wasn't good enough. And it constantly led to chasing, overworking, becoming stressed and becoming tired. And I did a lot of inner work, as I believe you have to do to understand it. You can't just understand the theory. You have to actually do the work as well. And when I let go of all that, it's mad. What I was chasing got it quicker. 
And just the stress, all that worry, all that pressure on myself just seemed to fall off my shoulders. Amazing. Yeah, it's so beautiful to hear you say that. And you can really feel your own authentic experience in that. And, you know, I've had similar, you know, my journey as well has been doing the internal work, meeting those limiting beliefs and trying to shift and change them and letting go of the rigidity, the urgency to try and make something happen. And it really, for me, was boiling down to just surrendering, trusting. And I think the word surrender sometimes can bring up different meanings for different people, but it's to know that it's a surrender into a trust. It's not a surrender like a collapse where you give up. It's a surrendering with a deep knowingness, with a deep trust, with a faith that this is happening for a reason. If you are meeting something very challenging, that it's happening for me as opposed to to me. And it's happening to show me something or it's happening to allow me to let go of something or shift or change something. And it's actually an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity to evolve. And when we can see it as that, well, then a lot of the pain around it can dissolve away. It can allow us to just drop into a softness more. And I think there's great strength in our softness. And I think that is, you know, one of the things I had to learn about my life was softness is not weakness and gentleness is not a bad thing. And that in order for anyone, male or female, to really succeed in life and to have inner ease and grace. It is the dance between the male and the female. It's the dance between the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. It's the dance between the right and left side of the brain, the yin and the yang. And within each and every one of us, it's trying to find that balance between strength and softness and know that neither is right or wrong for what we're trying to do. And we do a lot about that in yoga what we're trying to do is marry that and have a delicate balance between both sides so that we can get up and go and get things done, but also then so we can drop down, rest and retreat. So that's the male energies that get up to go to get things done. And then the female or the yin is more the soft, the surrender and the rest. So I think all of us in life, it's to try and find that balance, isn't it? Whether that's in career or your personal life. And to know that when you're out of balance, are you able to catch yourself and ask yourself, am I gone a little bit too far down the the go-go-go route? Do I need to pull back? Do I need to go to bed earlier tonight? Do I need to potentially cancel that meeting at the weekend and rest more? Or am I too much in the rest zone and I'm not stimulated enough? Or do I need to get out for the run? So it's trying to find that balance so that we can balance through the nervous system, but then also balance through the energetic systems of the body. That's... Excellent. It's beautifully put. I love that because I was very masculine, dominant, GAA, brought up, you know, be a hard man. It's just, I don't know if it's a lad thing and just to be strong and show no weakness. And when I broke my hip seven, eight years ago, I was nearly forced to look at the feminine side, the rest and the repair and the slow down. And it was very, very uncomfortable at the start. But the more I got into it, the more I understood the power of that balance. And I still find it challenging at times. And this year especially, I actually came across that one word, which I was dying to ask you about today, is surrender. And I was like, what does surrender mean? 
And I, it came across, I think Jerry might have mentioned it in one of his meditations on a Sunday night. And with what happened with my dad this year, that gave me a lot of peace, surrender to what's going on. Instead of trying to fix it, trying to be brave, trying to be this thing, I had to just stop. So there's a lot of power in surrendering. And I never heard that concept before. Also, it takes huge courage and bravery to surrender. And it takes huge strength to be vulnerable. And people see vulnerability potentially as weakness. It's actually the absolute opposite. It takes huge courage to bear your soul and to be open and to be honest and to be raw and to be vulnerable. When you do that, there is not only healing in it for you, it allows those around you, it gives them permission to also open up and be vulnerable and let the mask down, let the guards down. That's no easy feat. You know, it's hard for us to do that and to be exposed and to be seen. But when you feel safe enough to do that with the right people and you can surrender into that, it's deeply restorative and deeply healing. I totally agree. While we're speaking about that, you are very passionate about emotional wellness. And that's a big thing I talk about. Emotions are energy and motion. And if we run from them, we suppress that. And that's kind of stuck. It's a vibrational energy that can cause dis-ease. How do you go about explaining that with your clients? Is it what we discussed earlier about the tears? Is that the way you go about it? So, yeah, I would use that a lot, that analogy to explain that mind-body connection and to explain the impact that our thoughts and emotions can have on our physical well-being. But also, I talk a lot about emotional eating with people, but it's not just emotional eating. It can be how we turn to things, whether it's food or alcohol or even excessive exercise or work or being busy, what we turn to to try and, I suppose, you know, suppress those emotions. And for me, I used to turn to food and, you know, I'd binge eat or I'd overeat to try and suppress, you know, my emotions. And what I talk about now really is we can create within us a void or a hole. And myself and Jerry call that the hole in the soul. And what can happen is a lot of us are living a life potentially that we're potentially missing a component that is soulful or that's, you know, igniting our souls. So are we doing something that is bringing us alive? You know, are you in a career that's really, you know, you're passionate about and you love doing it? Is it bringing your soul alive? Are you in relationships that are bringing out the best in you? Are you moving the body? Are you exercising? Are you getting, as I said, that emotion out of the body? Or has it been locked in? And have you a sense of spirituality or a sense of self, which is what brings you alive? What do you love to do? What energizes you? What motivates you? That sense of fun, laughter, connection, community, that sense of liberation, that sense of freedom, that sense of ah, just yay, you know? And what do you do to bring that into your life? It's different for everybody. You know, I love to jump into the sea and I feel like a big kid and I just come alive. It brings my soul alive. For others, they love to sing or dance or play golf or just have a bath. You know, it's just certain things will, you know, really get people going. And I often say to people, well, what in your life are you doing that? What brings you alive? And they might say, I love to sing or paint. And I would say, wonderful, you know, and are you doing that? I'd say, God, no, I haven't sang or I haven't painted in about 10 years. So what I would say is we can get stagnant, we can get stale, we can feel stuck, we can feel trapped. 
and our soul just is out of alignment or it's not been ignited or it's not been fulfilled. And what we often do then is we create a hole within ourselves and we try to fill that hole with external stuff. But no food will fulfill us. It will fill us up, but it won't fulfill us. So what are we doing on the external? What are we putting into the body? What are we running and racing from trying to fill the void that can't be fulfilled by external stuff? And I often use a phrase or a quote that I came up with was, no external feed can eat, feed will nourish an internal need. And, you know, often what, what happens is we get emotions that are, get stuck or trapped in the body. And we are either suppressing them, keeping them in. So it's like a pressure cooker or it's like a bottle of Coke and you, the lid really tight, but yet you're shaking it. And the shaking is happening because of stress. So maybe your everyday lifestyle is quite stressful and it's shaking the bottle every day, yet you're tightening the lid because you're not expressing or releasing those emotions. So what we want to do is we shake the bottle too much. We know what will happen after a while. It can blow up. The cap will blow off. It'll be an explosion. And that can happen in our lives in the form of a burnout, a breakdown, get sick, or we literally have a rage and we, you know, flip off the handle. So nobody wants that. So how can we release the emotions? How can we almost think about it as opening the lid very gently in a safe way? So you're getting that, that fizz has been released, but slowly. So what can we do in our life to release the fizz, the burdens or the stress or those emotions? And I always say we can do it in different ways. And how can we deconstruct the emotion or how can we move it out of the body? As you said, energy and motion is, needs to be moved. So we can do it in a few different ways. We can talk about it so we can talk it out. So doing that with a trained professional or a loved one that you feel safe enough to do so with. Second way is we can write it out. So journaling is a fantastic way of just releasing those emotions. What am I holding? It's like a brain dump as well. So you're just getting it out that way and post yourself to writing, which is literally just start writing and just see what comes, like open the floodgates. Third way is we can cry it out. So a good cry is an amazing way of releasing. I always say crying is, is the same as vomiting for your emotional world. So if you got a stomach bug and you got sick, you feel better after you vomit and throw it up. So similar when we cry, it's a great release from the body. Or sweating when we work out, we sweat. And it's the way that we release toxins from the body. Fourth way is that we can move it out through physical exercise. So stretching, yoga, you know, any form of exercise, walking, running, they're another way of moving those emotions out, uh, kickstarting your endorphins and getting that kind of feel good, bliss feeling in the body. And then the last way is we can breathe it out. So deep breathing can be a powerful way of really just dropping into the emotion, feeling it, meeting it. I always say as well, we have to face something to feel it, to heal it. So dropping into it through meditation or breath work can allow you to face it and feel it so that we can then move it out and release it. Excellent. I love that. Face, feel and heal. So we can't really bypass the feeling bit. We can't just like face it and then try and get it out ASAP. We need to feel that emotion as well, don't we? We really do. And that's the tricky part for a lot of people because that can be the painful part or it can be the uncomfortable part. But I think the biggest thing in it is if you can feel your emotions without judging them, without wishing they were something else, without resisting them, without wanting them to not be the certain way, we have to befriend our emotions and welcome them. Because if they are trapped within the body, they're there anyway. So you can either keep them trapped and let them stew and get stagnant and stale and cause more disease. 
or we can meet them with love and compassion, kindness and forgiveness and allow them to be moved out. I think it's the non-judgment part and the compassionate part are the key pillars to allowing us to meet them and feel okay to do so and surrender into meeting them with love and compassion so that we can then release them with more ease and grace. Excellent. I love that non-judgment of the emotion. And I always refer to the movie Inside Out. Do you ever see that movie? Yes, yes, yes. I always say sadness wins today in the end, but all the emotions are really, really important. They just give us a bit of feedback and there's no one bad one or one good one. So it's excellent to hear that. Love and compassion with the emotions. There's no right or wrong. How you feel is just how you feel. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's not good. It's not bad. It just simply is. And every emotion deserves its place. Every emotion deserves to be heard. And I often say to people on the yoga mat when I'm teaching yoga is to drop into the body, listen to it, tune in. What is it trying to tell you today? If your body could talk to you right now, what would it tell you? What is the emotion you're holding in the body? And where are you holding it? Can you feel into that? And then throughout the class, we're breathing all the time. We're moving and seeing if we can shift that emotion and if we can release it out. And at the end, when you drop into your Shavasana, that is the perfect time to let whatever has been stewing or being stagnant within the body, it allows it to bubble up to the surface. So then it can almost be washed away or breathe it out at final Shavasana. Excellent. I love that. Yeah, because if you think about it, the body is always talking to you. It's always telling you things. And if it wants your attention, it's going to give you the biggest message ever. And normally that's pain or disease, which we discussed study if about 10 years ago looked at actually you're more susceptible to have low back pain if you suffer with low mood than have a bulging disc so the studies all over the place backing this up it's scientifically proven so it's great to hear it in that way you spoke there about the hole in the soul and I've also heard you mention soul anorexia that's something yourself and Jerry obviously you have a company called soul space where would someone start with so reconnecting or connecting with their soul if they have never looked at that spiritual quadrant like I always look at the physical the mental the emotional and the spiritual quadrant where would someone start if they went I want to see where I am in my spiritual world or what's going on there beautiful question so basically the soul or the spirit people can often think it's to do with religion and it's not that it can be for some people of course but really the soul is who you are it's your essence. It's your inner spark of light. And it, it's what makes you different to every single person. The soul really is your dreams. It's your desires. It's your goals. It's your aspirations. It's that inner calling within you. And it's, I believe, the soul speaks to us through the emotions of the heart. And I believe the gateway to the soul is through the breath. So that we use the breath to get us to feel into the emotions and then we almost through the etheric body we might go what the hell is that it's an energy field and we have that every single person has it and it's around us we can't see it to the naked eye but we can all feel it and whether you know it or not we've all had the experience where you know you've walked into the room and you could cut the tension with a knife if someone has been fighting you might not have been fighting but you feel the energy or somebody you come into a home and somebody in the home is unwell or is depressed you almost know the energy in the house or if you walk into a funeral, you feel the sadness, you feel the energy. So we all are radiating energy all of the time. And the soul really is 
it's that energetic part of ourselves that we can't really, it's not tangible. We can't just pick it out and say, well, here's the soul. This is what it looks like. But we all know it's the same with the emotion of love. We can't just pick love out of the sky and say, this is what it looks like. Or this is what grief looks like. Or this is what any emotion looks like. They don't have a tangible form, a material form. But we all know the realness of it. We all know if you've been through grief, you know what, that's real. But yet you can't pick it up and touch it. It's the same with the soul. You can't pick it up and touch it, but it's there. We all have one. And it is, I believe, you know, your soul has been put here on this planet to shine its light and to make manifest its dreams and, and desires and its talents and its gifts. And I believe we can hear the soul when we stop and pause and unplug from the business and the chaos and the external noise and just tune into your own voice. And I think we, the soul is that calling in the heart. It's the whispers from the heart. And I believe it's the gut intuitive messages that you get. That is your soul talking to you. And that is that hunch that you get that is tapping into the soul. And I believe the soul comes alive. We know when we feel that sense of you know exhilaration or joy, that's when we're doing something out of love. And that's when the soul has been nourished. And I feel that we're out of alignment or we're not nourishing the soul if there's a constant tug of war in there's a like a push pull going on so we might be saying or doing something yet we know it doesn't feel right that tug of war that's that internal disease really because we're not at ease so when we come into alignment mind body and soul and we have that click it's like when you get a rubik's cube and it clicks and you have it or something just comes into alignment into harmony then you know you're, you're in flow state or you know you're doing something that feels good, feels right, you're on the right path. And I believe that is when the soul is singing and that is when the soul is coming alive. So I think it's who you are. and Are you living a life that's in alignment with your soul's purpose and calling? What is it you're here to do? What is it you want to do? And are you doing it? And if not, why not? I absolutely love that. And you mentioned your MBS model. How does that look like in a day? How does that look like in a day for you? Yeah, the mind, body, soul is what I believe is the you know, integrative approach to our life and our lifestyle. So what I do is, and I say it to a lot of my clients, is we call it a code, the ODE, calendar of daily events. And every day I would just say, have a little journal or something and, and just leave it beside your bed. And you can do it the night before if that's easier. And I would just say on the page, write M, B and S. So M at the top and B and S. And beside each one, so mind, body and soul, right, what is one thing I'm going to do today to nourish my mind? What's one thing I'm going to do today to nourish my body? And what's one thing I'm going to do today that will nourish my soul? So for example, with the mind, that might be, I'll do a meditation, maybe I'll do some gratitude, maybe I'll do a little bit of visualization, maybe I'll get out in nature because I know that's good for the mind. What is one thing you're going to do for the body? So that might be, you know, I'll have my hot water and lemon, I'll go to bed earlier tonight. I'll go for my walk at lunch. I'll make a healthy breakfast. You know, just pick one thing, one small thing. And then what's one thing I'm going to do for my soul? So what brings you alive? What brings that sense of connection, that sense of joy, that sense of exhilaration? So it might be, you know, I'll pick up the phone and I'll ring a friend and I'll have a good nourishing chat because I know I'll be nourished after it. Or I'll get out to the sea or I'll go for a hike in nature, do something that I love to do that brings me alive and that brings me joy. And then just one thing, and that doesn't have to be elaborate or expensive or take up much time. 
just if you're doing one thing every day for the mind, body, and soul, it's a great way of knowing that you are getting that integrative approach and that you're looking after all aspects of yourself and getting a holistic a picture and placing a holistic approach to the way you live your life. And then that has a compound effect, obviously, one day over a year, 365 nourishing things you did for your mind and your body and your soul. And that's going to transform your lifestyle, really. Absolutely. And it's, it's, what, it's the little things that you do every day that change and transform your life. It's not the big 21-day thing. It's not the one thing you'll do once a month. It's the little consistent things that you apply to every day. They become your way of being your way of living and then that's your way that's your lifestyle so that's how we change your lifestyle is by starting small and just picking one small thing every day and then over time as you said you have that compounding effect exactly because when you mentioned all the things like you do your bit of breath work you do your bit of either meditation or get out of nature you eat well for energy and you do something you love to do they sound so easy but they seem so hard to get. And sometimes a client comes in to me and I'm like, all right, we're going to start with three or four non-negotiables that you would like to put into your day. And they're like, I want to put in 10. I'm like, no. So why is it so easy, but yet so hard to impact? Yes. When you say it like that, you know, when we hear it back, it is not rocket science. It's actually the simple thing that's taking it back to basics but we get caught up in all of the external stuff and pulls us away from the stuff that really matter. And I think the main reason is we don't do it or we don't stick to it is we get distracted. And we get distracted by everything and everyone and we get distracted by the phone and we get distracted by life. And I think that is the biggest thing. Sometimes it can be a limiting belief or subconscious programming there that we actually are self-sabotaging and we subconsciously don't want to do it because... We want to revert back to an old belief or we want to revert back to victimhood. But on a whole, I think we just get distracted and we get lost in the whirlwind of everybody else's world and social media. So I think it starts small. And I think people think that's too easy to be impactful. And how does MBS look in your life? Look in my life. So again, I use that model. So I would say to my husband, so I've just become a new mom. So my whole world, of course, has shifted and changed and become obviously my devotion and time now is for my little boy. So I have to be mindful that to look after myself in the process as well and not get depleted along the journey because I know that if I'm healthy in myself, well, then I'll be a better mom, a better wife. So it's trying to navigate that and not get sucked into the wormhole of trying to be all things to all people. So what it looks like for me is myself and my husband will, at the start of the day in the morning, we will say to each other, well, what do you need today? And we look at the diary and, you know, and he'd say X, Y, and Z. And I'll say, well, I really need X, Y, and Z today. And that might be for me normally, it's I really want to get into the sea. So I, I live near the sea and it's such an invigorating thrill for me. I love it. It resets me and it's, I come alive. It's like, that's one of my soulful things to do. Another thing I might do is I would say, I just need a couple of minutes to go and sit in my yoga mat and do some breathing. So can you take Elijah and let me do that? Or and vice versa, and he'll ask me to do. So what we'll do is we'll kind of pick and change. But again, it's really, for me, it's small things because at the moment I don't have a huge amount of time because I've become a new mom. So it might be the five minutes to go and sit in my yoga mat, but I know when I do that, I feel so much better. Or it might be this morning, you know, we're going to make a green smoothie or we're going to have X, Y, and Z for dinner tonight. So it looks 
like in my mind, body and soul, my mind is looking at whether it's deep breathing or meditation or gratitude. And you can do that anywhere, anytime. I mean, you can be in the queue for the, for the coffee shop and you can be saying your gratitude or you can be sitting on the bus. And then I pick one thing that would be for my soul. So that might be the sea or it might be having a conversation, picking up the phone and ringing my mom or, or somebody. And it's for me right now, it's just simplicity. And I love it. And that is working for me. Excellent. It's not to say, by the way, sorry, just to, before I finish, if anyone's listening, it's not to say that I have it absolutely nailed or that my life is perfect. Absolutely not. I mean, I have ups and downs and ins and outs as we all do. But what I have found really has helped me through this year because it's been a challenging year. It's been COVID. I've become a new mom. We've no family around us for support. There has been a lot of challenges and a lot of transitions and changes. But what I have found that has been really helpful for me in this whole journey is the process of reframing and gratitude. So if, for example, you know, I was maybe meant to go out and meet a friend for a walk and then say Elijah was napping or you couldn't go or maybe he had a nappy and it changed him or something happened. Instead of going, oh, this is so annoying, blah, blah, blah. I would stop and I'll pause and take a deep breath and go, I'm so blessed to be in this situation. I am blessed to have a beautiful, healthy boy here in front of me. So I would reframe the situation and bring it back to God, I'm blessed in this moment. Or, you know, my sister, she was driving the car today and she got a puncture. I just said, sure, you know, you are blessed. It's okay. This is saving you potentially from something else. You're blessed to have a car. You know, you bring it back to gratitude and reframe the situation. And it just helps to, as I said earlier, dilute or dissolve the stress that could potentially really make your day shitty. So you just want to bring it back to reframing and gratitude. And that has really helped me this year. I totally agree. I completed a three-week Deepak Chopra gratitude meditation a few years ago and it changed my life. So I, every day, three things I'm grateful for. And I, I'm always called positive, but I just genuinely think, like I always look at the, it's changed my life basically. It's one of the best things ever I've ever implemented. And I suppose I sit down every morning for five to 10 minutes in stillness and I'm going to be dad in January. So I can't wait for the first time. Congratulations. Oh my God, that's fantastic news. Yeah, oh, it's, congratulations. It's so exciting. And people are going, when you have a baby, you're not going to have that time for yourself. And it's funny because I'm like, I actually will because I know when I am less stressed and more present, I'm going to be such a better dad. So I'm really, really going to prioritize that. There's obviously times I'm going to be getting up and I have to rush around. But I think that communication which your other half is very, very important. And also to realize that actually prioritizing yourself isn't a bad thing. It actually is helping everyone in your circle to a degree. And I, I find people find that difficult to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's so exciting. I'm delighted for you. <laughs> but yes, that's so true. A phrase or a quote I always say is that our self-care is not a delicacy, it's a necessity. And if you don't show up for yourself, well, then you can't show up for anybody else. It's not a selfish thing. It's actually a priority and it's a necessity. I love that. And I didn't realize how much time was going on. I could talk all night. So before we go, just on purpose and why, what is your purpose and what is your why? What do you feel you're here on this earth? Your beautiful soul is here to do. I really think that my purpose here in life is to be of service to the world, it's to shine 
my life forward in a way that I can hope I can hold space for others to see their light. And I think my real mission in this world is to help others make manifest that divine light within themselves so that they can begin to see their own beauty, see their own worth and allow other people to shine their light forward, their gifts forward so that we can collectively radiate more love and light and compassion into this world. Absolutely love it. You keep on reminding me of that poem, What Is Your Deepest Fear? That's excellent. Where can people find out more about you, Miriam? They can go to our website is soulspace.ie and then I use Instagram mainly as my social media platform and my Instagram is at Kearns, M-I-R-K-E-R-I-N-S underscore integrated wellness. So it's at Kearns integrated wellness and they can also find our Soul Space Instagram page as well. It's Soul Space the Experience. So website or social media or you can send an email to uh, info at soulspace.ie Excellent. Thanks so much. I really, really, really enjoyed this conversation. Likewise, it was wonderful and thank you for inviting me on the podcast today. I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope it'll resonate with some of your listeners. Well, 100% well. Thanks for your time. No problem. Thank you. As always, thank you for your encouragement and all your support. I'd really appreciate if you could share this with a friend or a person from your family, anyone you think it might help. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, I'd be very grateful. Thank you, folks. Have a great week and have a great Christmas. And as usual, a big thank you to Dermot Milton for helping me with all the artwork. Check him out on Around the Square on all social media platforms.